0: Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston show. Okay. So before I get started here, I'm going to provide a little bit of a programming note because things are going to start changing uh, in 2021. All right. So while the audio version of this podcast is doing great, you know, the audience continues to grow. And with that, there's starting to be some additional revenue that is coming in. Hey, that's great. But when it comes to the video version of the show and putting it up on YouTube, it's getting hammered by the algorithm. And I've been testing YouTube's algorithm a little bit by going beyond the Jacob Johnston show video version and starting to live stream, you know, special events, especially with all of these hearings that is going on. And I've noticed that that's been getting beyond the YouTube algorithm and censorship. So, starting next year, I'm going to be changing the name of the YouTube channel and being able to provide more content well beyond the podcast. All right. Although the audio version of the podcast is going to be the same, but there's going to be a separate podcast that's going to be able to provide you the ability to keep up with all the news and events. If you want commentary uh, free. Yes, that's right commentary free news. Don't rely on other people telling you what to think other people said during special events. And I know that you can't stay, you know, glued to the TV watching everything that's going on. So I'm going to do my best to provide you all of the biggest events of the day in an audio version so that you can listen to it on the go and hear for yourself exactly what people said and how they said it. So there's going to be another podcast that is coming out. I, and that podcast is going to mimic the name, uh, that I'm choosing for the rebranding of the YouTube channel. Now, I don't know about what I'm going to do with Rumble and BitChute. I don't have that figured out yet because over there, the video version of the show is doing decent. Maybe not so much on BitChute, but on Rumble, I've only been on there for a couple of weeks and it's already starting to grow. And at the rate of its growth, it's going to overtake what's taken me several years to build up on the YouTube channel. So just to let you know, yes, the YouTube channel is going to be rebranded. It's going to have a new name, but it's still going to host the Jacob Johnston show, but it's also going to be hosting a lot of other content. And because I'm going to be adding in all that other content, having it labeled the Jacob Johnston show may not be accurate anymore. And so I'm looking to expand beyond me and I'm hoping to grow and to eventually be able to bring on additional personalities in order to help provide more value to you. All right. So that's some of the programming notes here. Now, even though I'm going to be taking a break, I'm going to be keeping up with the news. You can follow me on Parler and you can follow me on MeWe. If you must, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter as well, at Johnston Show. Okay, so I believe that covers everything as far as the programming notes up front. Now let's go ahead and dive right on into it. So as you know, the Georgia runoff elections are coming up. And yes, I'm going to get to everything that's going on with Trump and the litigations a little bit later on in the show. And I'm going to have to use some euphemisms while I do so, in order to get past the YouTube censorship and algorithms. Okay. So it's not that I'm trying to downplay what's going on. It's that I'm just having to choose my words carefully. So YouTube doesn't band yet another video, which, okay, I'm just going to provide this little frustration. So I've been producing video versions of the show. Uh, As well as the audio version. And usually when I do video, I just take the audio out and you know the drill. But when it comes down to it, you're not seeing the video version of the show on YouTube because YouTube is banning them, restricting them, taking them down because I dare mention what they deem is not okay to mention, which is the truth. You know, they're engaged in full fledged censorship in order to push through this election. And hoping that by making sure no one knows what's going on, that they'll just accept a Biden administration. And a Biden administration would have a title that has an asterisk by it if he manages to get through. Okay. So as you know, the Georgia runoff election is going on and there's a lot of fight going on into that. And so, of course, because of the runoff election, they're still fighting over whether or not to do COVID relief and as they're going through and do, thinking about the COVID aid package, you know, they're debating, they're going through trying to argue the numbers, and of course, they're delaying some more. Of course, the Democrats delayed any negotiations on COVID relief before the election, believing that the more people suffered, the better it would be for them in the election. Now, that didn't turn out to be true. The blue wave was actually a red wave. In all areas except for one, and we all know why. But in any event, you know, the Democrats are now, I guess, sort of negotiating a little bit, but there's still a lot of stalling going on in COVID relief. Why? Because for some reason, even though the tactic failed in the 2020 election and at the general election, they think that if they just continue the tactic, it will lead to a successful uh, runoff election in Georgia. I don't know why, but that's it. And so they're going off and they're still trying to tie, you know, Trump to the pandemic as if it's all Trump's fault. And they're also taking a look at the current state of the economy as the result of the pandemic. And they're taking a look at the jobless claims. So let's go ahead and take a look at how they're continuing to try and drive this narrative. It's 900,000
1: people that came for jobless claims for a first time today, trust me, those are in the United States. Steve is making this political. This is not political. When we have 13 million more people unemployed, it's not political. This is not the best recovery ever. It's far from it. It's one of the worst ever. And that's why Trump in 30 days will not be in office because he didn't know how to handle the pandemic. And that's just facts.
0: Yes, they're still trying to push it. It's all Trump's fault though. Whole Chinese virus is all Trump's fault. As if he had any control over the outbreak in China and then how it spread across the world. Every country has been affected by COVID. We all know this. Right now, they're trying to say, well, the jobless claims, all these people unemployed is due to Trump. No, Trump's not the one shutting down the economies, Trump's not the one going off and closing businesses. That's Democrats doing that. That's right. You got Democrats using the pandemic as an excuse to close down businesses, put people out of work, damage the economy, and then they have the audacity to turn around and blame Trump. Oh, it's Trump's fault that the Democrats closed down the economy. Now, of course, the Democrats don't want you to realize the difference between red states and blue states. Where red states are doing fairly well because they didn't shut down the economy, they have lower unemployment numbers, you know, as far as total numbers and as a percentage. Why? Because they didn't sh- shoot themselves in the foot because of the pandemic, a uh, pandemic re- involving a virus that has a nine over ninety-nine percent recovery rate. Right, but the Democrats did because they realized that inflicting maximum financial pain on people was a political strategy for the election, you know, because as long as the economy was going great, hey, Trump, there was nothing that they could have done to try and take out Trump. Right. Trump would have easily sailed through reelection. Now, technically, and my belief is he still did. But, you know, we'll get to that later on in the show. OK, so They now that we're doing the runoff, there's needing to go off and still blame Trump for the pandemic. Now, Trump actually handled the pandemic the best possible way. He didn't waste his time trying to do the impossible, which was to control the virus. You, You can't control a virus. There is no way to control an airborne virus that also can live on surfaces for a long time. All you can do is get information out to people, which the information is. Basic hygiene is what you need to do to protect wash your hands regularly. Don't touch your nose and your mouth unless you've washed your hands after you've been somewhere. Now as far as the masks go, well, that's a mixed baggage, right? Most of the masks people are wearing just don't work anyways. Okay, and so there's a lot of things that are going on with the virus, but he handled it the best possible. He, you know, explained, you know, here's what we know about the virus. Here's the best way to protect yourself. You know, you're all responsible human beings. And then focused on creating a vaccine, right? Which he did. He did in record time from outbreak to vaccine. So Trump actually did the best possible job. Now you're going off and going, well, over a quarter of a million people have died. You know, or maybe half a million people have died, whatever the numbers are, which we all know the numbers are inflated. Right? It's been documented and proven that the numbers are inflated because the numbers aren't reflective of how many people died of COVID, but rather how many people died and had COVID, where COVID wasn't the actual cause. Or it's even been documented that they never even bothered to check whether or not the person had COVID. We all seen the headline person dies in motorcycle accident listed as COVID death. But they think they can go off and keep pushing this narrative. And that will lead to success in the Georgia runoff, which also means that they got to make it, you know, financially painful as possible, which is why Democrats are going back to their shutdown strategy, and then constantly moving the goalpost when it comes to any COVID uh, relief bill so that they can keep trying to blame it on Republicans, blame it on Trump, you know, and that the Democrats have all the solution. And yet, when you take a look at what the Democrat solutions are, it's to do what Trump did, right? It's all just ripping off Trump's plan. That's that's Biden right there. You know, the person who has a history of plagiarism is just ripping off Trump's plan and then passing it off as his own. And when Biden's going out there and talking about how he's going to distribute the vaccine once he takes office, if he takes office, how he's going to distribute the vaccine, and then you take a look at that and go, huh, so your plan is just to do what Trump puts into place. But of course, Biden's trying to take credit preemptively for the success of the Trump administration and the vaccine distribution. It's amazing that, and of course, no one in the left wing media is calling them out on this. No one in the left is going to go out there and go, yeah, uh, Biden, that's actually Trump's plan. And Trump's already putting that into motion. So what Biden's planning on doing and what the media is planning on doing is creating this narrative where by everything was horrible under Trump and then Biden went into office and everything got better, even though Trump's the one that solved the problem. Trump's the one that was in office when the outbreak started, took quick and swift action, took some action that maybe went you know into overreaction in order to combat this virus, and then focused on creating a vaccine so that we can recover from it and then uh, the Democrats plan on taking credit for everything and Of course, they were very political on the vaccine. Where all of these pharmaceutical companies had the vaccine ready, but waited until after the election to announce it. I don't know why. I don't know why. Do they really think they're going to do better under a Democrat administration than Trump? Really? Is that what the calculus is? You know, so they were so political that these pharmaceutical companies actually withheld the vaccine for weeks which who knows? I mean, if you're going to go off and take a look at the death toll and try to blame Trump for it, then maybe you should actually be looking at the death toll and going, how many of those people died or how many more people are going to die just because the pharmaceutical companies politically timed the release, held back the release of the vaccine just to try and target Trump and get Trump out of office because if they had announced the vaccine before the election, it would have been really great for President Trump. And all the left wing would have been attacking these pharmaceutical companies saying you should have waited. So they are willing to let more people die delaying the release of the vaccine in order to get Trump out of office. And then you wonder why it is we have a very easy time believing that based off of the evidence, all the other shenanigans that went on during the election. It's really amazing. It is just sickening how they operate. Okay, now speaking of the COVID-19 release, I was listening uh, to Hill TV. And yes, I go through and I take a look at all of the left-wing outlets, but Hill TV has this one issue where I think they are kind of mixing off, you know, a very far leftist with someone who Tries to be more moderate left. I mean, they're still leftists, but they're not completely crazy, which is interesting because one of them is actually a big Bernie Sanders supporter, and yet she can sound reasonable from time to time, and so could the guy. So it's on Rising. I can't really pronounce their name, so I'm not going to try. You know, so I was on Rising, and they were doing an analysis here. And it was very interesting. And I think there's a lot of grain of truth to it. So let's go ahead and have a look and see what you think
2: he right. understood so directly
0: yes. that them not doing anything could be a real liability in Georgia but he obviously sees that that is the case and so that's why there was movement here not to mention yesterday we talked about how yeah they all went to go home from, mm-hmm. for Christmas so that's part of the leverage
2: point but apparently the big reason for the movement here is because he feels like they might lose in Georgia if they don't do anything well there's two ways of reading this Crystal one is understanding that Mitch McConnell knew knows now the direction direct payments are linked to electoral prospects. Two is where the hell were you before the presidential election? There's another way of reading this, which is that Mitch McConnell deliberately sabotaged Trump's election chances, which probably tells you everything you need to know about what McConnell actually cares about. You can see it's obvious. Everybody knows this was an electoral liability, and Mitch McConnell apparently knows that. He's even in this case not willing to allow his ideology to get in the way of passing something which is going to help. And so so that wasn't there when trump was trying to run for, was running for re-election yeah. and whenever he was asking him to do something mitch was the one he never said anything about that one time we covered those in and out those checks debates whenever he, they were going for 1.8 trillion now apparently he's seen the light it's just incredible to see my thesis proven out directly that he did not only not care about trump's election chances but that in, in a way he
0: basically sabotaged you know what this is what makes me mad, is probably how right he is on there. And when you think about it, it's not just Mitch McConnell. I mean, take a look at the entire history of Trump's relationship with the rest of the Republican Party. You know, take a look at it just before the 2016 election, how The Republicans in both the House and the Senate turned their back on Trump, said, Oh, yeah, he's not going to be able to win. We just got to try and do our best to save our majorities. And then Trump came into office. And then take a look at how much they resisted Trump and his plans and how much he had to hammer at them, how much he had to push at them in order for them to actually do a few things. And in the first year, first year and a half, what did they actually accomplish? Okay, they passed taxes. But Trump was trying to push them to do a lot more, tried to do things like repealing Obamacare, which all the Republicans said that they were on board with during the election. They took a bunch of votes during the Obama administration, all voting to repeal Obamacare. But then they had to be forced to take a vote when it could actually do something, when it would be more than just a show vote. And we all know how that turned out. It failed. You know, the Republicans, you know, a lot of them, you know, reluctantly voted to repeal Obamacare. So they were lying to us throughout all these campaigns. So they were very reluctant to go through and repeal Obamacare. And they took, you know, a couple of Republicans, who weren't going to be up for re-election for a very long time, hopefully to the point where everyone would forget about the vote and got them to go ahead, vote it down because, hey, they have six years to recover from that. And by then, no one will remember what they did. Okay. But then you go through and you realize that the Republicans also supported the Mueller probe, and they supported the idea that let the Democrats investigate, investigate all you want, investigate, investigate, you know, Russia probe this. And it gave them a bunch of excuses not to do anything. In fact, when you take a look at it, there was a lot of missed opportunities, especially when we controlled both the House and the Senate during those first two years. There was a lot of missed opportunities because the Republicans would not go along with the agenda would not go along with what we, the American people, actually wanted, which was a lot of reform uh, that went on. Now, we still got a lot accomplished. And a lot of what we got accomplished was basically no thanks to the Republicans in the House and the Senate. Now, luckily, there's been a lot of new uh, Republicans that have been coming in. And while they're not in the majority, you know, people like Jim Jordan does give us hope for the future of the Republican Party. But I'm wondering if the Republican Party is just a lost cause, if they were ever really on our side or if they were just Democrat light, you know, just there to pretend like there was a choice between the two visions while, you know, maybe on the surface level, they have some minor differences. But once you get below that, they're on board pretty much the same and that we're basically like in The Matrix, where we have the illusion of choice in the direction of this country, when in reality, both choices lead to pretty much the same identical outcome, just maybe with slightly less taxes. And we're supposed to feel good about all these judges that Mitch McConnell got to the federal bench. Really? How'd those judges work out so far? So far, they've just been making a bunch of excuses not to take action on all the evidence of irregularities, you know, to put it mildly, for the YouTube censors. you know so they've refused to take any action on all of the irregularities. Why is that well, you' got some people going out there, and I can't confirm this, but some people are going out there and saying that they've heard some judges here and there talk about being afraid of the left-wing riots if they actually overturn the election based off of the evidence. If they actually decide to rule on the side of democracy and protect the vote from the irregularities or the shenanigans, right? Again, YouTube censors. So if they were to overturn the election and rule on what the true election results are, that the left would just engage in domestic terrorism, and that's what they're afraid of. So basically, the left has been holding the country hostage, engaging in domestic terrorism all year long, threatening that if they did not get the outcome that they wanted, oh, they were going to burn down cities all across the country. And now that they got what they wanted, apparently, now they're calming down. Now they're not going to be burning down all the cities. But if the election gets overturned, because of all the shenanigans, well, then they're afraid of all the rights that would go on, even though Trump could put down those rights pretty darn quickly, right, because those aren't protected under the First Amendment. he could label it acts of domestic terrorism and then send in the federal troops. He could now it's also because a lot of them have personal disdain for President Trump because well. He doesn't go along with the establishment swamp rats of either party. So they just want him out of office so that they can get back to corruption in DC as business as usual. Instead of actually having to work for we the people. Because their donors, their special interest groups, which, and by and large, on both sides, have connection to being funded from foreign countries and entities, don't like Trump's policies. So of course they don't want him into office. So yes, despite the shenanigans, we realize that there's probably a good chance that Biden's going to get away with it. I don't know why, you know, they're allowing this, but they are. Now, as far as the raid on the CIDL servers, I don't have any hopes of, of that actually being true. And I've been very skeptical about that reporting for a long time. I just figure, you know, we'll see what happens. And right now, I figure that if it actually happened, we would have known about it by now. They would have released it by now. So you know that's all very you know interesting, you know, how you know information can be spread there, but you know what I take a look at here as far as why I'm getting the sinking feeling that Joe Biden's gonna successfully get away with this, you know, and permanently have an asterisk by the name president is because of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell has indicated that he has no interest in standing up for Trump. And why would he? You know, did he stand up for Trump during the Mueller probe, even though the Mueller probe was a baseless probe, even though it was the Democrats engaged in illegal activities and then starting a special counsel investigation or getting a special counsel uh, appointed in order to cover up, distract and prevent any investigation into their illegal activities, at least until after the 2018 midterms, where they figured it wouldn't matter anymore, that they would never actually have to suffer the consequences. And by and large, they haven't. So you never, so you've never seen Mitch McConnell ever stand up for Trump, ever try and defend or protect Trump. Now, up until now, he's been willing to at least refuse to acknowledge the, you know, outcome of the election that the left wants because, you know, the Electoral College didn't vote and there's still legal challenges. But now that's shifted. Now there's reports that Mitch McConnell is going around threatening other senators. Don't you dare go along with the House Republican plan to challenge the electoral votes. Don't you dare do it. You know, we don't we don't want to do this. So it seems like he is very much in on the idea of tossing out Trump and replacing him with an illegitimate president that of a Biden administration. I, I guess, you know, I, I've always been suspicious of Mitch McConnell, and everyone goes off and says cocaine Mitch. I mean, yeah, sure. He, maybe he says something good for the camera here and there. But by and large, he's not a very good Republican. You know, by and large, he has never actually stood up for anything Republicans believe in or advocate for. He only, the only time he actually acts like he believes in any Republican values is when he's in the minority and he has to put on a show in order to become the Senate majority leader. But he's going out there and he's showing his true colors with this clip.
2: The Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President elect Joe Biden.
0: Now, isn't that interesting? So, despite the fact that there are still a lot of legal challenges, that are going on, despite the fact that alternate slate of electors have casted competing electoral votes, despite the fact that more and more evidence continues to surface of irregularities, you know, YouTube censors, despite all of that, he is now going off and conceding, oh, yep, yep, yep. Now that the electoral votes have been casted, You know, Joe Biden is the president elect. He's going to be seated on January 20th. Don't anybody dare challenge it anywhere whatsoever. There's reports of Chief Justice John Roberts yelling at other uh, Supreme Court justices not to allow a Supreme Court challenge. Now, the left likes to go off and say, oh, all these, you know, nearly 60 court cases have been dismissed for no evidence of fraud. That is a lie. nearly 60 court cases have been dismissed with judges making up excuses not to examine the evidence, just tossing them out, claiming that, you know, the plaintiff has no standing or going off on latches saying, oh, you waited too long. It's too late. You know, we can't look at the evidence. You didn't bring it in a timely enough manner, which you know, this highlights a huge problem in the election. You couldn't challenge the illegitimate and illegal changes to election laws through unconstitutional means before the election, but then after the election, it's too late because you can't overturn all those votes. These people voted based off of a process that was illegal, but we wouldn't, you know, uh, change it or rectify it before the election. So, you didn't have any standing before the election, and it's too late after the election. So basically, we had an illegal election take place where the courts are saying well you you just never had any ability to challenge it. You couldn't challenge it before, and you can't challenge it after. So they want to ignore everything that has gone on, all the evidence because they're afraid of all the riots they're afraid of what's going to happen, what the left is going to do to them and their families personally. So it's the use of threat and the use of violence and the use of terrorism that these judges are not willing to even look at the evidence. So they just claim you have no standing or, hey, you know, you didn't bring this in a timely enough manner, which, by the way, in a timely enough manner, you don't have jack squat for time after an election. They brought it in the timeliest manner long before the electoral college vote. And yet the judges didn't want to do it. And most judges did not even want to allow a forensic audit of the voting machine. And so you had, you know, an election that nobody has faith in. The courts don't want to touch it. So they keep making up excuses not to actually allow the court case to be heard in court, you know, or have any evidence presented in court. They just keep tossing them out. You know uh with excuses not to hear the cases, so that nothing has been adjudicated yet because the judges don't want to adjudicate it. they don't want to do their job, and that is the problem now, luckily though, there has been at least one judge that decided to actually be a judge, and with all the irregularities that took place and all the evidence that has surfaced, did something that not even Mitch McConnell would do, allowed a forensic audit of the voting machines and released the report. Now, this is, again, the frustrating part. So Mitch McConnell was more than willing to let the Democrats investigate and harass President Trump with endless investigations based off of Russian disinformation that the Democrats themselves paid for someone to create. But then, when it comes to all of the evidence of election irregularities, Mitch McConnell is not willing to allow so much as a single investigation on it. Oh, sure, maybe he allowed one hearing, one hearing on election integrity, in which they didn't bring on a single witness for the irregularities or look at any actual evidence. It was just basically for show. They didn't bring on anybody of any relevance to election integrity or over all the election irregularities. They didn't. So it was just a meaningless hearing where they pretended like they were listening to things. But again, there's, there's no consequences, apparently, for lying in the Senate hearing. So people won't give an honest answer. So while he was willing to support the Democrats baseless investigations into President Trump, he's not willing to allow any investigation or questioning into all the irregularities in the election. Sickening, isn't it? Sickening. It's almost like he's been working with the Democrats throughout the last four years to undermine President Trump every last opportunity. Now, as I've already alluded to, there was a Actual forensic audit done on Dominion voting machines. And they had the audit results, although the judge initially tried to keep the audit results sealed. He did not want to release it to the public, and the Democrats were very afraid. They were arguing heavily do not release the results of the forensic audit to the public. Do not release that because that could actually be used to act, stop the steal. Right, which I am very much a supporter of Stop the steel Movement. In fact, being a huge supporter is why I've seen a lot of growth in both the audio version of the podcast and my social channels outside of Facebook and Twitter on MeWe and on Parlor. Although MeWe is where I'm apparently growing the fastest. I mean, it's amazing. But in any event, you know, a, a report on The forensic audit has finally been released. And I'm going to play a clip here so that you can understand what that audit actually says and why it's even more disgusting hearing Mitch McConnell go out there and congratulate Joe Biden on an asterisk victory while having never provided any actual support for Trump. Right? So remember, Mitch McConnell, celebrating or congratulating Joe Biden while refusing to investigate all the election irregularities despite this report. team from
1: Dallas-based cybersecurity firm ASOG conducted the investigation on behalf of plaintiff William Bailey. The team took forensic images and reviewed the county's 22 Dominion tabulators along with thumb drives and related software. The audit revealed that of the 15,676 lines or events, there were a total of 10,667 critical errors stroke warnings or an over 68% error rate. ASOG concluded that the Dominion voting system intentionally generates an enormously high number of ballot errors. The electronic ballots are then transferred for adjudication. The intentional errors lead to bulk adjudication of ballots, with no oversight, no transparency and no audit trail. More seriously, ASOG found that Antrim County's computer system maintains records of the adjudication process for previous elections, but records for the 2020 election were missing. The lack of records prevents any form of audit accountability, the report said. We must conclude that the 2020 election cycle records have been manually
0: removed. Well, 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 isn't that interesting? Mitch McConnell, have you taken a look at any of the evidence before you've made the decision that you're just going to demand that the Republicans roll over and play dead for this? Now, hopefully, there's going to be Republicans that stand up and challenge the electoral votes. And hopefully, there's something that can still be done to stop this asterisk election. So let me go ahead and explain or break it down really quickly. So they did a forensic audit of the voting machines. They found out that in the voting system, there was a 68% error rate in its scanning or processing of ballots. Now that is hundreds of thousands of percent higher than federal requirements. So federal requirements is like a 0.2%. So these voting machines were not even in compliance with federal or state laws to be used. And you got to wonder, why were they used then if they weren't even within federal compliance? But the error rates go off and provide an interesting thing because that then goes to adjudication. All right. So the ballot machines, you know, in scanning the ballots kick out 68% of them as having errors are being flawed and had to go for manual adjudication? Well, what have we found out about the adjudication process? Okay, first off, there's no oversight, no accountability. No one gets to view that the adjudication is done correctly. It's all done in complete and total secrecy. Now, if you have been paying attention to the hearings and what has gone on, and all of the investigations that have taken place as far as the adjudication process, the adjudication process allows you to change the votes. So even if the software doesn't, you know, manually do it through the algorithm, the adjudication process can. Now, we still have our suspicions about the algorithms. In fact, uh, additional reports have found out that in those Examining Dominion voting machines where they would feed in, you know, 100 ballots for Trump and then they would feed in 100 ballots for Trump. I mean, for Biden, you know, so 100 for Trump, 100 for Biden. The votes actually switch from Trump to Biden at about two or 3%, which when you think about it, two to 3% is enough to overturn the results in each and every one of these swing states, you know, in Michigan. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, you know, that 3% switch. So we got that, you know, the switch and the voting machines themselves. But then it's the adjudication process. And we have seen lots of videos come off of people demonstrating the adjudication. And in fact, you got Dominion executives on video talking about the adjudication process where they can go ahead and go, well, you know, here's a ballot that has an error on it. We think they voted this way, so we're able to change the markings on the ballot, you know, change the ballot image to market for the votes that we think they intended for. So, you could have with 68 percent error rate, which means these machines were never gonna were never supposed to be used because they don't meet anywhere near the standards needed in order to be used in an election. But they use these flawed voting machines from a company with a history of being accused of election fraud and throughout the world. Right? And every democracy throughout the world. So you got that. And then you got this adjudication process that allows you to manually switch the votes or change the voting image. And basically, with no accountability or oversight, you know, they can just say at, at any adjudication, They can just mark the ballots however they feel like. So if you put someone who is an activist in there, they can easily just manually switch the vote on the ballot images from Trump to Biden as often as they want or as often as they think they need. And think about this 68% error rate. Does that mean 68% of the ballots? were manually reviewed through this adjudication process that allows you to change the ballot image to show the votes however you want. And when you take a look at that, then you got to wonder, well, why did they only switch Trump votes? Why didn't they try and rig uh, for the Republicans down ballot? And the simple answer to that is they just didn't have enough time. I mean, you could take a look at that and go, Trump won by such overwhelming margins that they didn't have time to do anything with the down ballots. The amount of time that they had was very limited. Now we could talk about all the other things that they did in this election, all of the shenanigans that they did in this election, but the adjudication process left it open. Now, not only did it have a 68% error rate, to toss it to adjudication where they can change the ballot image to read however they want with absolutely no oversight or accountability, but they lost the original images, right? So they still have the images saved from 2018, the original image and the adjudicated image. They still have copies of both of those from 2018, but in 2020, all the original images Have been deleted. So all we have is the post adjudication image. Post adjudication, which was the image that they themselves created after they fixed the ballot. Which means there is no actual paper ballot to go back to to confirm what the actual original result is. You know, at least as far as the image goes. Because remember, when you take a look at this, they don't, a lot of these states, they don't have any identification. So you don't know what ballot was for what. Now you're going, well, they have the manual paper ballots. No, not really. No, no. Because they can easily destroy the original paper ballots and print off new ones. But in any event, a lot of these places don't even have original paper ballots. For the people that voted in person, they just punched it on the screen, printed it out, and the study showed that seven percent of only excuse me, only seven percent of the population noticed when the paper ballot printout was different than what they actually voted for on the machine. But as far as the mail-in ballots, well, we also saw those videos where they were taking ballots and then filling in new ballots for them what was going on there. We don't know. Now they're saying that they were transcribing them, that there was an error and that they were curing the ballots in some fashion, although there was no oversight on that either. I mean, there is no trust. You had a bunch of partisan hacks, a bunch of partisan activists running the election, counting the votes, getting mad, you know, visibly mad, looking at the ballots and you know, reviewing the ballots because they didn't like the way people were voting. They were be, they were obviously trained to try and antagonize and create conflict with Republican poll watchers and poll and uh, challengers in order to antagonize them and then get them kicked out. So we have all these shenanigans. We have voting machines with 68% error rates, an adjudication process that allows them to change the votes however they want to, With absolutely no oversight, all the poll watchers were across all these states were ejected at the same time, going through the same process, almost as if there was a coordinated effort that was pre planned in advance for what they were going to do in order to get away with these shenanigans. We got recounts that don't actually confirm any integrity, they just take what they are claiming to be the ballots and then. Recounting them. And then if the recount doesn't match the original count, well, then they just report the original count as the recount from top down rather than bottom up, which is very interesting. So we have all of this. And then you wonder why we have no faith in the results of the election because we know what actually happened. They can't contain this. No matter how much they try to censor it on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter no matter how much they tried to refuse to report it on even Fox News. The information has already gone out there. We already know what the results are. We already know who the true winner of this election is. Because if Biden was the true winner, there would be no problem doing a forensic investigation over all the voting machines and of the mail-in ballots for ballot signatures, which by the way, you know, we've already kind of touched on this whole, they ch- illegally changed all of the election laws. So they, ha- in order to get Biden as the victor, they had to violate almost every election law on the books, break the constitution while violating those laws, have machines with a 68% error rate so that they could adjudicate them in order to get the results that they want. And even then, they barely pulled it off. And the only thing keeping Biden propped up at with the asterisks behind the or in front of the president elect title is the fact that nobody, you know, and nobody uh, in the uh, courts, no judge, and no one in the legislature is willing to stand up and defend democracy. They're not willing to actually go through and defend democracy, whether that's completely out of fear of left wing rioters or whether that is because they are anti Trumpers and are saying, hey, you know what? We didn't think of it, but we're willing to let the Democrats get away with this so that we can get back to business as normal, back to the pre Trump era where we could get away with so much corruption because it was all behind closed doors. You know that we can rob this country blind and sell it out because they got the payday. Why? Well, think about how many politicians got into office, right? Didn't have much money to their name when they got into office, and then through the course of public service became multimillionaires, became filthy rich. How do you think that happened? And don't you think Trump may have been disrupting that, bringing prosperity back to the working class? So, yeah, you know, this is sickening, which means we need to go off and think about ways to replace the Republican Party. We need to figure out ways to crush the Democrats once and for all, yes, but we need to think about replacing all of these Republicans that did absolutely nothing while this election was being taken through shenanigans, you know, again, YouTube censors. So we need to start, you know, replacing the Republican Party. Now, the question is, how are we going to do that? Because if they got away with all of this in this election, what are they going to do in the next election? What are they going to do to ensure that no matter how we vote, they, they the establishment, will always be safe, safe in power, you know, and pretend like, you know, there's enough, you know, where they'll just go off and make sure, you know, a certain number uh, from each party wins, and they'll, they'll go back and forth on who controls which chamber so that they can make it seem like we have a choice, when in reality, it may all be predetermined. And then the question is, How long has it been predetermined? Is that why no matter how we vote, nothing ever changes? Is that why we always keep getting the exact same policies, the exact same trajectory, no matter how often we ask, you know, for something different, we always get the same? Is that because, you know, they're all just horrible liars or are? Well, yeah, of course they are. But Is it because the entire system is set up so that challengers can't be successful primarying these people unless the person isn't playing ball enough and they think that the primary challenger will be more suitable to the swamp? So what do we do? And that is the question. I mean, what do we do going forward if we no longer have free and fair elections? Now, of course, I want to go off and I want to primary challenge every last one of these Republicans that refuse to stand up. You know, every Republican, you know, I can't do this myself. I mean, I physically can't. I cannot run for every office in all 50 states myself. You know, I don't live in Pennsylvania, so I cannot primary challenge anybody in the Pennsylvania legislature. But anybody in the Pennsylvania legislature that was refusing to do anything, despite all the evidence, Republicans in Pennsylvania should primary challenge every last one of them and get them out of office. Replace them with actual Republicans that will defend democracy. Same thing in uh, not only Pennsylvania, but in Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, even Wisconsin. Go ahead, you know, with all of it, primary challenge all of them. Every last Republican, in the Senate that does not sign on to challenging the electoral votes with all the evidence that we have should be primary challenge, especially if these same Republicans defended the Mueller probe, right? They should be, you know, primary challenge. They defended the Democrats, you know, investigating Trump based off of nothing, but they won't defend the president despite all the evidence in the world that you would ever need. So all of them need to be primary challenge. And then let's take a look at the House, you know, at the House. So right now, only 106 uh, Republicans in the House have signed on to challenging the election. All right, those 106, good, I applaud you. The rest of them that are not signing on to challenge the election, Now we have to be careful here because some of them, you know, in uh, the twenty in the 2022 midterms, wouldn't have been able to sign on to challenging the election because they weren't actually in the House yet. They just won the election, but they haven't been seated yet. So we need to monitor uh, them very closely. And any Republican in either the House or the Senate that does not sign on to challenge the electors should be primary challenge because there's no point in having republicans in office if they don't defend democracy if they don't stand up for election integrity if they're willing to just roll over and let the democrats run around lawlessly and then sell us out and by rolling over and playing dead every time the democrats engage in illegal behavior so yes we're going to be watching And as part of the update is uh, for what I'm going to be doing, and uh, starting in uh, January 2021, is I'm going to be starting a movement to primary challenge all of these sellout, backstabbing Republicans at every level of government who refuse to stand up for the president, who refuse to take action, who refuse to defend democracy even though they had every authority to do so, especially in the state legislatures, every last one of them that failed to do their job and protect democracy. I'm going to be starting in January 2021. I'm going to be starting a, a new uh, podcast. You know, i trying to start a new party and taking on the Republicans to challenge every last one of them. Now, I can only challenge one of them in the 2022 midterms. And even then, you know, I, I need to actually take a look uh whether or not my sen whether or not either one of my senators are up for re-election in 2022. One of them was just re-elected. I'm in Iowa, so Joni Ernst was just re-elected this in this election. So it'd be six years before I could challenge her. I'll need to see what Chuck Grassley is, whether or not he's actually up for reelection in 2022. If he is, I'm challenging him. And as far as uh, my representative goes, well, that's a bit of an issue because my current representative lost against his primary challenger earlier in his primary challenger, uh, you know, a Republican, just won this election and hasn't been seated. So, you know, as far as it goes, and living in Iowa, you know, my state legislature, there was nothing that they could do. So the only person that I could challenge for failing to stand up for democracy would be Chuck Grassley, if he does not sign on to challenge the electoral votes with the members of the House. Everybody else they either weren't seated in Congress at the time that this all took place, so they had no ability to challenge the electoral votes, or or, or they may not be up for reelection. But I'll be I'll be watching Chuck Grassley closely, and his actions here will determine whether or not I challenge him in the 2022 midterms. Okay, but for the rest of you. You have, you know, senators that will be up for reelection in 2022, and if they're not challenging the electoral process, you need to primary them. Those of you in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, you need to primary challenge every last member of your state legislature who did not take action, who refused to defend democracy. We are going to need to do a complete overhaul and replacement of the Republican Party, because they have failed us too many times. They have stabbed us in the back too many times. They have shown that they enjoy or are more willing to work with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer more so than they were with President Trump. And that is sickening. All right. So that's it uh, for this episode, the last episode of 2020. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll subscribe to this channel as I will be expanding the content beyond the video version of this podcast. And of course, I'll be doing a lot more audio versions of this show uh, than I do video versions. You know, and that's kind of a time constraint issue, especially as I plan to expand the content beyond just the podcast on the video version of the show which means I will be rebranding the name of this channel. So in 2021, if all of a sudden you see a channel that you do not recognize, it's probably this one, the rebranded name and the new logos and, you know, all of that good stuff. All right. So watch out for that. Uh, When I launch the new podcast uh, as well, in fact, I'll be launching uh, I think two new podcasts uh, next year. All right. So uh, I will be explaining that, man, I got a lot of podcasts. I got uh, some non-political podcasts. I'm podcasting all the time. It's a great uh, business and profession allows me to be able to, you know, really stay engaged in politics and really, you know, go through a lot more of what I like to do. All right. But in any event, I'll be launching a couple more podcasts next year. Uh, When that happens, I will let you know about it. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you're on the audio version, Uh, thank you so much for watching, especially to the end. I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And I would like to say a happy new year, but that really depends on whether or not we stop the steal. Otherwise, next year could be a very the start of a very dark time in America. All right. But thankfully, for this Christmas, we still have Trump. Be happy, be merry, be thankful that we still have our freedoms and enjoy them while they last. All right. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave me comments, smash the like buttons, leave me ratings, reviews, share me all over social media. You know the drill. Thank you so much. And I will be back again in 2021.